Hey everyone, welcome to today's podcast. We're talking about how to instantly reduce cravings for unhealthy food. You can do this. Okay, let's go through the process though. So when you feel a craving for a food, a lot of times you don't realize you're actually running a process, a recipe, if you will, to create that craving. And so what we want to do is we want to start understanding what we're doing now and how to change it. So Basically, there's three ways to think about food and eating behaviors. There's the anticipation of the food, there's the consumption of the food, and there is the consequence of the food. And so when you're thinking about food, what you've been conditioned to focus on is the anticipation and the consumption. You've seen millions of food ads in your life. It's always about the anticipation, the food coming towards you, and the person eating the food. That's how you think about it. When you only focus on the anticipation and consumption of the food, you drive up the cravings for that food. So what you have been doing in the past is running this process subconsciously, and then you consciously try and fight against those elevated cravings. Okay, so how do we change this? You just have to focus on something different, and what that difference is, is the consequence. Not the consequence of the extra weight. Okay, that's what you've been trying to do. You're focusing on the anticipation and consumption of the ice cream. You're thinking about eating it. It's right there. And then you're saying, I shouldn't eat it because I'm going to put some weight on. No, that's not going to work because your brain says, yeah, but that weight's not going to come on for a couple weeks. We can start tomorrow. <laughs> and so then you, then you give into it. So what I mean by consequence is I am talking about the consequence that is right on the other side of finishing that food so that you think about eating whatever it may be, cookies, ice cream, pizza, whatever food it is, and you say, how am I going to feel five, 10 minutes after I finish eating this? How am I going to feel physically, mentally, emotionally once I'm done? And this is a process that takes a little bit of practice because sometimes you're going to say, well, I won't feel that good, and you eat it anyways. But that's when you tap into that feeling. What are you thinking about yourself? How are you feeling? How do you feel physically? emotionally. And when you start reframing this process so that you stop just focusing on the anticipated consumption and you start putting most of your focus on how you're going to feel physically, mentally, and emotionally, that's when things start to shift because this causes the cravings to start to lower naturally. Okay. And so the consequences we want to pay attention to mental, physical, emotional, we can start with physical. That's what most people pay attention to. So if you eat the food, then maybe you'll feel um, you know, extra full, you'll feel kind of phlegmy, you'll feel tired, uh, your stomach will hurt you ate too much. So that's the physical piece. And that's what most people focus on. But the real value is in the mental and emotional piece. The mental piece is what are you going to say to yourself? If you're a person who wants to lose weight and you go and eat a pint of ice cream, what kind of internal dialogue, what things are you saying to yourself? How do you feel about yourself? Right. Once you've done that, how do you feel emotionally? Do you feel let down, discouraged, frustrated, annoyed, shamed, you know, guilty, all, all these things. And so as you start to focus on what the consequences that follows right after finishing that food, you start to reframe how you think about these foods. And this causes the cravings to go down naturally and allows you to make a better food decision. So start focusing on this, start practicing it. And you're going to find that it really increases your ability to make better food choices consistently without just relying on willpower. So I hope this helps you out. Um, if anyone has any questions, feel free to ask them. I'm going to get rid of my dog here for a second. Paul, you want to go out? You want to go out? <laughs> I love my dog out here. She's right under here. And I see that question user. I'm going to answer that right now. Come on, Paul. All right, here I am. Um, how to stop engaging in the behaviors that are destructive. Yeah. 
That's a good question, but it's also a vague question, okay? So the first step I would suggest is you get way more specific, right? And so what that means is this again, as always, we're going completely different approach than a diet approach, right? The diet approach is so silly because it's expecting that Monday's gonna get here and then what? You're gonna change all of your eating, 100% of your eating from that day all the way to you reach your goal weight. And it's silly, right? But it's this idea that you're gonna decide to start eating better that day and you're gonna micromanage every little decision you make and change all of your destructive behaviors. No, you're not, okay? Not for any long period of time. So what I would suggest instead is that you start to figure out what is your most destructive behavior, right? Not in most, uh, most destructive and most frequent uh, destructive behavior. And you start paying attention to these two things and get specific and then focus on the most destructive, the most frequent behavior and go to work on that. Right. So I don't know that's probably not the answer you want, right? Cause you just want some, some general catch all solution to destructive behaviors in general. No way. You've got a kind of, I always, I use the metaphor of my clients. Uh, it's like you, your, your weight loss and your, your weight loss is a reflection of your behaviors and your behaviors, your thinking, your emotions. It's a big tangled ball of yarn. And part of the process is, you know, pulling a strand out and okay. You know what I mean? There, there's no, just like, Oh, just change everything. Well, just stop doing the destructive behaviors. Just oh, simple. Just, just get motivated and just stop doing them. Right. That's not going to work. Each, each different behavior has a different solution to it. Right. And, and ironically, this may take you a little bit longer, but the other way is fucking bullshit. See, I'm just popping right out with the mouth here. But um, again, it's so silly to say I'm just going to change everything all at once. But we've been conditioned to thinking like that's a normal national you know, response, but it's silly. But so this one seems like it's going to take longer. But again, you say, okay, well, my nighttime snacking is a behavior. Right? So that we understand and we tweak and we stock it and we come up with solutions for that. And then another one is, oh, I eat too fast. Okay, well, that's a completely different behavior, right? And so then we get into that one and work on finding the solutions. And so when you do it this way, it gets way more strategic. And I think you'll find it, it's, it's a lot more, it makes a lot more sense. You know, when you compare it, so you said, no, that's great. I think I tend to micromanage every behavior, which then becomes overwhelming. Exactly, exactly. Well, you're right, user. You know, listen, that's what you've been conditioned to do. You know, every diet is that thing you start on a Monday and you just change absolutely everything. And, and I love the word you're using, actually, because let me go a little bit deeper into that concept. I'm a big believer that your weight is a reflection of your habitual eating and living behaviors, okay? And so um, you want to change your behaviors, but your behaviors are all automated, right? So this is where program yourself is a different approach because we're focusing on the subconscious mind. I believe your weight is a reflection of your automated behaviors, the, the way you typically eat, right? Um, you've got eating habits and routines that are automated. Let me give you an example of what I mean a little more clear. A lot of times people think the weight loss is hard because they think it's hard to say no to the food, which is a, a piece of it for sure. The bigger part is that you're trying to consciously, micromanage is that word, you're trying to consciously control behaviors that have been automated. And that's very difficult to do. An equivalent to really understand what that's like is to say, you're gonna wake up tomorrow and you're gonna brush your teeth with your other hand. You're gonna use your computer mouse with your other hand. You're gonna use your phone with your other hand. Now you can do it, but it takes lots of concentration and thought, right? You have to really, really micromanage. You have to really think about it a lot. And you'll find even before you get done brushing your teeth, you're gonna be annoyed and irritated. It's annoying. It's frustrating to do something that we know how to do automa automatically in a conscious way. It's, it's annoying. And so changing up your diet and your lifestyle is like that. And when we try to do it all at once, 
That's why we feel so overwhelmed. So again, the diet's always saying consciously control all of your eating, consciously make healthier habit choices. Program Yourself Thin says let's program in new eating habits that keep you thin and that run automatically. Let's program in new lifestyle habits that run automatically and keep you at your goal weight and in the level of health you want. You see, so it's a completely different paradigm of approach, but um, I think that's a great question. I hope you, you get this, you know, because once you realize this, you realize, well, no wonder the other things didn't work. It's not that you don't have willpower. It's that your brain's not designed. Your brain is not designed to consciously control every little thing you do. You know, you, you're, you're built to run on autopilot primarily. Most of your day, you're just running on autopilot, doing things you've done and know how to do. You know, so all of a sudden you diet, you're doing something new and you're being very aware and conscious and you're burning through willpower, you know? So anyways, is it normal for your th thyroid to hurt? I could not answer that. I'm not a thyroid expert and I do not know the answer to that. So I would definitely call a doctor. Um, does my thyroid hurt mean I have hypothyroidism? I, no idea, no idea. Um, Nadja says, you've helped me so much. I lost 24 pounds and I can't believe it. Well, I can believe it, congratulations. And uh, that's awesome. It's so great. That's so super. Yeah, you just said super, super useful. Thank you. So listen, oh, but here, so if you think that's useful, <laughs> there's nothing. Um, go to my bio, click that link, get the hypnosis session I give you. The hypnosis session's awesome, but more important than the hypnosis session is go and watch the training I give you right after that. That's the stuff. That's the keys to the kingdom. Um, what I help people do is not lose weight. You don't want to lose weight. Upgrade your goal. What you really want is you want to get back to your goal weight and you want to live the rest of your life at your goal weight on near autopilot. A much more specific, accurate goal of what you want. And I give you a training, three steps to master your weight that shows you how to do that with a lot of just common sense stuff <laughs> so that you can, again, I, I find people, you know, just like you, right? So user, clearly you're smart because you got what I was saying like that, right? So you're a smart person who has been following a shitty strategy. And that, that summarizes pretty much all my clients before they work with me, but probably most of you, if you're listening to me, you're probably an overthinker. I know this because I'm a fast talker and it seems like the only people who stay listening to me are overthinkers. And uh, overthinkers are usually pretty smart and they're aware of what they're doing, but you don't know how to change it. And that's what I help people do. Um, so go watch that training though. It'll, it'll show you how to do it. Um, Lane Lexi says, what's a healthy weight for? What's a healthy weight range for a woman, 5'10", 5'11"? Um, I'd say go look at the BMI chart. Go look at the BMI chart. And you don't have to be. A healthy weight is an interesting thing. Um, normal weight is associated with health. But, you know, even being in the overweight range, in, in the first, you know, they're, they're spectrums, right? right? Even normal weight. Um, if you get into the overweight range, you know, even moving towards obesity, a lot of those people are just as healthy as people in normal weight range. You know, it, it depends. There's other factors. Um, but, you know, What's a healthy weight range? I, I wouldn't answer. I would just I would look at the BMI chart. It's probably the best uh, answer to that. And But then that's just a starting point because then there's taking into account what weight you want to live at, what weight gives you the best quality of life. You know. But I think using the BMI chart as some part of your decision on choosing what a healthy weight you want to live at is, I think is smart. You know. Um, but that's where I, I would kind of direct you in that direction. So I can't give you more answers. You keep asking questions I don't know the answers to. I love the advice you give, gives me motivation and a different mindset. That's awesome. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to do here is that uh, I believe you all can master your weight. I know it for a fact, um, but you need to change your thinking. You know, you got to change thinking. Um, Tree Marie says, what do you think of intermittent fasting? Um, I like it. I like it, but I don't like it. <laughs> so what do I mean by that? I, I think intermittent fasting is a tactic 
You know, I think every diet you know of is a tactic. It's a one shot thing. They do this on purpose because they know the people they're appealing to are overwhelmed, exhausted, frustrated, annoyed by weight loss, all the rest of it. So they got to make it seem as simple as possible. The one thing concept is what they use. Think about, right? Intermittent fat, just don't eat for 16 hours. Keto, just don't eat carbs. Weight Watchers, just count your points. Um, you know, it just goes on and on. You know, everyone, just do this. Just do this one thing. And they do that actually like, oh, conceptual, I could do that. That's easy. But then you go to try and do it. And it's, I always say it's like a carnival game, right? They make it seem real easy, but then it's, it's a lot harder than you thought. Because the flip side of like just stop eating carbs is completely change the way you eat. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> That's the same thing. So that being said, intermittent fasting, I think... I'm saying this as someone who uses intermittent fasting, my, my definition of it, which I'll explain in a second, um, but I didn't go into it without, oh, I'm going to lose all my weight, just intermittent fasting. Because intermittent fasting doesn't help you deal with the mindset piece. It doesn't help you deal with the lifestyle piece. doesn't really help you deal with the eating piece while you're eating, necessarily. Um, it's just a simple way to compress your eating that'll probably cause you to reduce your calories, okay? And so... That being said, I kind of back-ended intermittent fasting 30 years ago. I, it wasn't called that. It wasn't around then that I knew of, um, but I wanted to stop eating at night. I used to snack every night right until bed. And so I created a bigger and bigger window between when I stopped eating when I went to bed. And so now I sit here in front of you as someone for 30 years. I usually stop eating around 6, 7 o'clock at night, start eating the next day around 7, 8 o'clock in the morning. So it's usually you know, 12, 13, 14-hour window. So... That, and it's amazing. That's one of the best things I've ever did um, because I think giving your body a break from eating is wonderful, you know, and um, it feels amazing. Digestion is a huge source of energy. And if you do this before bed, I think you get extra bang for your bucks. You'll sleep better. You wake up more refreshed. Your cravings are in check. So I like creating a window of time when you're not eating and giving your body a break. That being said, the problem I do have with intermittent fasting is, again, it's sold as this one tactic fixes everything. And of course, it's all or nothing. So you start from scratch being like, okay, I got to stop eating for 16 hours. Um, and so, you know, again, I the more, here's the deal, right? This is factually, they've studied this. They, they got names for it and everything. But the more strict you are with what you're doing, almost guaranteed there's going to be an equal and opposite reaction. Right? For every action, there's an equal opposite reaction. The stricter and more rigid you are with your diet, almost guaranteed the more intense your binge is going to be. And by binge, I mean going off track, overeating, eating the wrong foods, whatever you want to call it. But they call it the counter-regulatory effect. The more you regulate and get rigid with what you're going to do, typically the, the bigger the blowback is. I don't know if that affects you or not. You know, So take it, apply it against your own experience. But so intermittent fasting, I would prefer that you explore intermittent fasting and begin to create a window of time for yourself. Start with an hour, make it before you go to bed. Start with an hour, make it two hours, make it three hours, work up to it. Again, with weight loss, this is one of the weirdest things where you just jump in being perfect with something. It's probably the only thing in the world that you do, like you just do it the first day and you're expecting to be perfect with it. It's very weird. And so intermittent fasting, I see that. The, the things I hear from people is they get so obsessed with the 16 hours of making it and it's miserable for them that they end up stopping it. You know, and or they're so obsessed with how they're not eating for 16 hours and they're getting so hungry that when it does get to eight hours, they're over consuming during the eight hours. So again, intermittent fasting is just a tactic. And I think it's a helpful one. I like it, but you can be flexible with it and make it work for you. Because ultimately, that's the real goal is let's get a plan that you can live with long term. So you can not just lose weight. Who gives a shit? You know, I want you to live at your goal weight forever. And that's going to require you to be comfortable with whatever plan you choose. Okay. Um, Yes, exactly. I think I was in a dieter's mindset for a little too long and now going back to my true uh, 
true weight feels a little difficult. Yeah, for sure. Going back to your true weight feels difficult because you have a self-image. Y'all, if you've been living at your overweight for 10 years, you have an identity of being overweight. That, that's a piece of the puzzle. Again, very few people ever address this, but in Program Yourself Thin, there's a whole section, your self-image, how you think about yourself. Um, Program Yourself Thin is an inside-out approach to weight mastery. You know, the diets are outside in. You're going to lose the weight and then become this amazing version of yourself. Well, that doesn't happen 95% of the time because 95% of the time people lose weight on a diet, they put the weight back on. So well, what happened to the transformation that was supposed to seep into my, my brain and my thoughts, right? It never happens. You just lose the weight and you're still thinking the same. Well, guess what? You're going to put the weight back on, you know? Most people walk around, they got two mindsets, an overweight mindset and a diet mindset. And they just flip-flop between the two of them. You know, the diet, you're in the diet mindset for six months and you get all the way to your goal weight, but you still only think like an overweight person or a dieter. Now you're in trouble. And now most dieters will put the weight back on because at least they're comfortable with it. You need to create a thin and healthy mindset. That, that's the process that's going to get you the results you are imagining in your mind that you want. The diet's never going to do that. It's just a superficial tactic, you know? And again, I think all the diets have something valuable. They're all based on usually, you know, some legitimate concept idea to lose weight. You know, they're all just a way to reduce calorie consumption, you know, but um, they all have their, I think they all, all, most of them offer something valuable, but not as a whole, right? I, you don't have to jump out. Oh, I'm just going to, I'm going to stay in ketosis the rest of my life. Why? Why would, why are you thinking that? You know, again, you, it, it's like, you're so desperate, you'll do it, but are you really going to stay in ketosis the rest of your life? Like, is that really what you want to do? Probably not. Right. So again, do you want to cut down the refined carbs in your life? Yeah, absolutely. If you live in America, right? So, so that part of it, yeah, but we don't have to go, it's the all or nothing thing, right? And it's like, it's so, we overwhelm ourselves so much by trying to be so perfect with such an extreme plan that it's like the chances of success are really low with, with that strategy. The problem is you usually internalize and say, oh, I'm, I'm the problem. There's something wrong with me. No, it's the fucking strategies. It's, it's horseshit. It's like, it makes no sense. It, it really makes no sense. The dieting mindset is just like the worst mindset you could have. You know, what should be your biggest meal of the day? Um, I know, Lainey, Lainey Legs, you're just asking me questions that I know you're not happy with these answers. The biggest meal of the day, it's up to you. You know what I mean? Like, again, the diet, we've, we've, we've become brain dead to some degree. Don't take that personally, but it was just like, just tell me what to do and I'll do it. No, you won't. No, you won't. You, you've been trying to do that for what? 10, 20, 30, 40 years, right? You, you really think the problem is that you don't know what to do, right? The problem is that you don't know what to do. The problem is that you can't get yourself to do it consistently. And usually it's because the thing you think you have to do is so extreme. You don't want to do it, which is another way to say you don't want to lose weight because the way you think about losing weight is miserable and you think it's going to suck. You are so, isn't this crazy? You want, you think about losing weight all day long, but deep down subconsciously you associate losing weight to pain. You primarily think of losing weight as a painful thing, right? Less pleasure, more pain. Yeah. You don't want that. <laughs> and so you avoid it. Don't you find it odd? You think about weight loss 24 hours a day, but it's like, it's like every time you get close to actually losing weight or making a commitment to it, it's like you don't do it, right? There's, isn't that weird? There's this weird thing going on. And it's to order, the way I explain it or understand it, because how are you explaining it? <laughs> like, again, I just want to point out, like you've been on the diet train for 10, 20, 30, 40 years, and you have no idea about your behaviors. You couldn't explain why you act the way you act 
if your life depended on it, you know? I have a theory. I think you have a conscious and a subconscious mind. The subconscious mind's in control of your weight and your behaviors. And your subconscious mind's not logical. It's very Pavlovian. It just links things together. And now at this point, you link weight loss, diets, losing weight with deprivation. It's boring. It sucks. It's hard. It doesn't work. Ultimately, it's disappointing. I feel weird. It's hard. I get annoyed. I get frustrated. You know what I mean? And so it's like you, you think of losing weight as a negative thing, as a painful thing. That's why you avoid it. You know? um, is it good for your metabolism to have a big treat every once in a while, like every three weeks? Um, I mean, I don't know if it's good for your metabolism, but it's good for you, right? So, so let me speak to this, Lainey and Lexi, because I can see you're locked in a diet mindset, you know? And, and, and so I want to, first of all, again, I can't say this enough, but go to my bio, click the link and get the hypnosis session and watch the training. You need a brain transplant here. And I, and I say that with love. Um, listen to my podcast, get a different mindset in your, in your head. Um, you know, the, a big treat every three weeks is probably a plan you're never going to do for, for the average person. Now, I know someone who's on here who is a expert at controlling her diet and she can do that at this point she can go a long time eating really really clean but she's worked on it for many many years now we added the mindset piece in and we've added other pieces in that make it all activated but you know you know who you are you've worked on this for a long time so you can go two three four five weeks eating really clean okay but the average person who's just starting off you're not gonna go three weeks without a treat no you're not no, you're not. And if you if you can, get, hey, great. You go ahead and do it, okay? But go test it out. And if you can't make it a week without a big treat, then you come back and, and talk to me, okay? Because I think that's what most people are going to find out. So this is why we program yourself then. We have a 5-2 model. Five days of clean eating, two days of pleasure eating. That's kind of a concept. Now, again, you can tweak that however you want. It's a philosophy. But it has both types of days in it because... Most of your food enjoyment, ironically, comes from looking forward to the food, anticipating it. Do you know you got more wiring in your brain for the anticipation of pleasure than the actual experience of it? Because again, in the natural world, you needed more motivation to get the food than to eat it when it's in front of you. So a lot of the pleasure you derive from food is actually looking forward to eating it. This is where, you know, if you get into the Ozempic shit, it's like they love that because it helps with the food noise. Which I loved. I love the phrase food noise. All of a sudden, no one's ever thought about this before. I've been focused on this for 30 years. So I'll talk about food noise all day long. You know what food noise is? Is up in your head what you're thinking about. Why do you think you have constant food noise? Oh, because I love food. Yeah, that's, that's part of it. But you know the bigger part? Pay attention. You should check off. You should carry a little piece of paper with you one day or some counter. Oh, like, no, you need, there's some people like turnstiles at like, I don't know, amusement parks or subways. And they just like track how many people are coming and click them. You should do this one day. I'm going to do this where you click every time you see a food ad on TV, on the internet, in your email, on your scrolly scroll scrolls. And every time you see a food ad, you click that. Let me know why you have constant food noise in your head. You know what I mean? Every ad's a hypnosis, hypnosis session, constantly conditioning you to crave their foods more. And you have no way how to deal with that. You know, and so there are legitimate strategies to deal with it. Um, but anyways, part of it is, is being able to look forward to things. And, and it's again, you need a deeper structure of how you think about food to make that happen. So I'm not answering your question, Lainey and, and Lexi. I get that. But um, I think it's good to have a, a treat. I, I believe for the most for most people, you're going to want to have something you're looking forward to eating. Something's really pleasurable to you at least once a week. 
I see very few people can go much further than that um, without having a treat that they can look forward to. And if you're strategic with it, that becomes a huge part of the, the process. The fastest way to get me to eat like shit is to say, okay, your, your pleasure days are gone. You have to eat clean seven days a week from now on. That would throw me right off track faster than anything. So here I am on a Monday and I'm looking forward to what I'm going to eat on Friday and Saturday already in the my back of my head. I'm thinking about that. And that helps me stay clean during those other days. You know, that's how that helps. Free Maria says, thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. Anytime I can help you guys out, I'd love to do that. Genuinely such brilliant advice. Thank you. You're welcome. It really is, isn't it? <laughs> like, it genuinely is. It's, it's, I do, I've been doing this for a long time and it's just like, I wish everyone said this shit, but I'm one of the only ones. I'm enjoying losing weight. Never thought I would say that. I want to, I love that screenshot. I'm going to take that. I love screenshotting all these things. You start putting these all together. You guys hear that? Now, J- Bailey's in the program and uh, that, do you hear what I'm saying? Genuinely enjoying losing weight. I had a client, right? One of my private clients, right? He's a big, big time person. And uh, they had a breakthrough where they go, I want weight loss to be easy. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> it took a while to get to that point. But it's like, you guys aren't, op- you guys aren't trying to make your weight loss easy. Subconsciously, subconsciously, deep down, you want the weight loss to be as hard as possible. You want to you wanna be starving. You want to be craving unhealthy food. And you want to fight against those cravings. And you want to feel hungry and starving and difficult. Because you think that that's going to lead to faster weight loss. Don't bullshit me. You want an extreme plan because you associate the more extreme and harder and more difficult the weight loss plan is, the faster my results are going to be. This is what I'm telling you. You've got to shift your focus from losing weight to living at your goal weight forever on near autopilot. I wish you'd write that down. The, the difference, they're two completely different paths. The way to lose weight as fast as possible and the ways to lose weight for as long as possible are completely different. And you have had a steady, nonstop diet of bullshit from the diet industry focusing you on losing weight as fast as possible. And this is why you're in this forever hamster wheel constantly thinking about weight loss, constantly looking for the fastest way to lose it and staying at the exact same weight. How much weight you lost last six months, the last year, right? Obsessed with fast weight loss and yet look at your results. Right? So that, that's what I'm saying. I'm not saying this to be rude. Call it tough love. Call it what you will. But you've got to wake up. You've got to wake up out of the diet or trance. You're literally in a trance, a diet or trance. And you've got to get out of that because you don't just want to lose weight. I know you, you've all lost weight before and then you put it back on. You're, you're not happy that you lost the weight. You're upset that you put it back on and you can't keep it off. And now you're thinking, I can't succeed no matter what I do. Even when I lose, I fail. Now you're in a tough spot. So one step to get back on the right path is to get on the right path by realizing I don't want to lose weight this time. I want to live at my goal weight. I want to get back to my goal weight in, in a way that's sustainable so I can live there for the rest of my life. That's what that's the path you want to be on. That's the path you got to get on to get the results you're actually looking for. Um, do you think some people are just naturally thin? Some people don't care what they eat and they don't struggle with weight. Um, that's a great question. I like that question a lot. Uh, I think, yeah, there, there's... There's no doubt genetics play a part. Um, environment plays a huge part. How you were raised, a huge part. Um, all of these things matter, you know, no doubt about it. Um, but I think they matter in ways that you don't realize. So, you know, the, the most hate I ever get on videos is when I say things like, if you're overweight, it's because you're overeating. Now, that's technically true. 
there's more to it. I know that's a simple message, but I think if you're a person who's overweight and you think, well, no matter if, no matter what I do, I can't lose the weight. I think that's such a disempowering message. And it's not true. It comes down to calories consumed. You consume less calories. Now, some people got to cut calories. Here's the thing. You, stu- you study enough weight loss studies. What they do with weight loss studies, they put people into a confined, controlled area and they measure every calorie and every calorie out. They're measuring everything. And you get a group of people, keep them in there the same amount of time, the exact same calories in, calories out. And what you find at the end of the month, two months, three months, is they all lose different amounts of weight. Okay? So you have to understand that people lose weight at different rates. Um, there's, there's a lot of factors. I always say people think about weight loss like it's a bank account, credit to debits. There's more to it. It's like a stock market. There's a lot of, you have to approach your weight mastery holistically, you know? Um, so are there people that are naturally thin? Yeah, obviously no question, but I do not believe they're naturally thin because they could just eat the same calories as an overweight person and just stay thin. I think people have different signaling systems, right? There's, we know about insulin resistance, right? There's leptin resistance, which someone who's obese, they could eat the same amount of food as me and I might feel more satiated and full and satisfied for longer and they'll feel less. You see what I mean? So there, there are signaling issues. Um, there, there's a lot of stuff. I'm not going through all of it. So I do think there are naturally thin people and there's overweight people and it's harder for obese, overweight people to make all these changes, okay? Um, their bodies react different to the calories. They literally absorb different levels of calories. Like, there's a thing called a microbiome. You know you have more cells in your body that are non-human than human, right? It's crazy. You have all these gut microbes and bacterias that are actually digesting your food. They're so impactful on you. They call it the second genome. They influence what cravings you have, um, how you digest your food, all the rest of it. They've experimented on this. This is with mice, but they have overweight, obese mice, and they have thin mice, and they will do a microbiome transplant. They'll put the thin mice's microbiome into the overweight mouse, feed the overweight mouse the same thing they were eating before, and they will lose weight because the microbiome's extracting, you know, 70 calories out of 100 as opposed to the obese microbiome that might have been extracting 90 calories out of 100. You know what I mean? So again, I don't want to get too deep in the woods, but there's a lot of stuff. But almost everything I'm saying is can be influenced. Okay, that's why when it would program yourself in, we really, we, we rely on the lifestyle piece, you know, um, which the, the person I was just referring to, who's really an expert, I would say she's an expert dieter. She's an expert eater. And I think a big part of what's changing for her, her ability to really stick clean and not fall off irregularly is shoring up the lifestyle pieces. And I feel this for most people. I think most people just approach their weight loss by trying to restrict calories and maybe exercise and that's it. And so I think the lifestyle piece is probably strategically the most, one of the most important pieces of it um, because it sets you up biochemically, physically, hormonally, you know what I mean? All sorts of different physical ways to be more like a thin, naturally thin person. So that's a long answer. I don't know how clear it was, but uh, I hope that helps a little bit. I will say it gets so much easier not having sweets. In three years, I went from two to three sweets a week to one every three-ish weeks. Yeah. So that happens too. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like things are relative. So, you know, that's what I'm saying. Like, you know, with the diet, everyone's just jumping in a hundred percent. I always say metaphorically, it's like, if I want to learn to play the piano, I'm like, I really want to learn to play the piano quick. I'm going to play for 10 hours a day. Well, it's like, yeah, maybe the first day I could play for 10 hours. The second day, my fingers are cramped. I can't move them. Now I can't practice for four or five days. And I hate the fucking piano now, right? Because it's like, oh, my hands, right? And the whole, all those three days, I'm like, oh, my hands, piano, piano, hands, pain, piano, pain, 
you know? So it's like, again, this is part of that dieter mindset. The, the most important piece of the dieter mindset that you have, the outermost shell that encapsulates a dieter mindset is your time frame. You think about weight loss very short term. I always say like a dieter thinks about weight loss in terms of days, weeks, maybe months. And you're approaching your weight loss like it's a sprint. And so if you can stop doing that and start realizing, I don't give a shit how fast I lose the weight. I want to lose it for good. Once you adopt that mindset, we don't have to rush everything and we can start being strategic. We could have phases that we work through. And let's just say I eat, um, I eat a treat every day. Let's say I eat a treat every single day. And instead of saying, okay, tomorrow's Monday, no more treats. I'll say, you know what? I'm not going to eat treats on Mondays and Tuesdays. Let's start there and see how that goes. I'll practice that for a couple of weeks and get it down. And then I'll make it Wednesday. Then I'll make it Thursday. You know, I'm just giving that an example, but you're so all or nothing that you just jump in. We're in program yourself. Then we're all or something. We always want to be doing something. Say, hey, sometimes we're focused, motivated, energized. Let's do all, let's go for it. But we have to optimize towards the other piece. You know, you got to stop like, cause you're doing all or nothing. Yeah. You get really motivated and fired up for a week or two, and then you can't keep it up. I mean, how many fucking times are you going to do that and not learn from it? You know, like you have to optimize to when you're not motivated, to when you don't want to go to your Weight Watchers meetings, when you don't want to fucking not eat a carb, or you don't want to not eat for 16 hours in a row, okay? What do you do in that situation? That's what you want to start optimizing for. And the more you start doing, again, programming yourself into a 1% better philosophy. Every day we just work to get 1% better than we were yesterday. And that's manageable, sustainable, and holy shit, after a year, you look back like, oh my God, you're not 365% better, you're exponentially better and you're used to it and you've got muscle and you, you know what I mean? You've got the pathways ready to maintain it. You know, that's the key one. Uh, Vicky says, yep, you're the one who taught me the mindset strategy I needed to implement my eating plan. Yep, that's you, Vicky. I know, and it's, it's awesome to see. But you are well-practiced too, you know, and that's why I always say, when I get to work with people, I love it. I, listen, I'm the solution last resort. I know this. No one starts with my program, right? You end up in my program. You've tried all the other ones that didn't work. Um, but one of my favorite things in the world to do, because the people I get in my program are almost always overthinkers. Usually they're perfectionists. Uh, and usually they're very smart and successful, either professionally or personally in, in some capacity. And so they've been focusing on weight loss for many decades, usually. And... When, when they come to me, we're not starting from scratch. What we're doing is we're learning because it's not like you've been doing something. You've been counting points. You've been doing keto. You've been doing something. I know that. And so it's like, you know, you've got a lot of wisdom in you, but you haven't, you're not utilizing it because it's this all or nothing mindset. And when we start utilizing all the things you've been practicing, but just add some more to it, some strategy to it, it's unbelievable because you realize so Vicky, like, like you didn't, like you didn't just start from scratch with me. You, do you know what I mean? Like you have years of, like you learned so much. You've been practicing intermittent fasting. Oh man, you've been practicing all this stuff, and so now it's like we get the mindset piece and a couple lifestyle tweaks, and and now all of a sudden you can blossom using the things you've been doing. Do you know what I mean? Like I, I, I don't know. It's, there's just so much mindset stuff. It makes me, I'm excited to share this stuff with you, but then sometimes I get like depressed because it's like, you all could be getting such better results. You know, and, and that's what I want for everyone, you know? So anyways, um, what helps me is saying I will get it, the treat, but just not right now. This That always helps. Yeah, Lainey, Lexi, that's actually the 5-2 model I talk about, five days clean eating, two days pleasure eating. There's so much psychology in that, but the core psychology in that is from a study I read about where they 
they got people hungry and then they tempted them with chocolate cake. And they, what they wanted to do is they would tempt them. They were feeling cravings for it and they would have them say different phrases to deal with the craving. And they'd all say different tests and see how it worked. So they would say things like, I can't have that. Oh, I'm on a diet. I shouldn't eat that. That's fattening. And none of those really worked. There was one phrase though that stood out by a mile that worked well and it was, I'll have it later. So right to your point, you're totally right with that because so much of our eating is built around dopamine. And if we say, no, I can't have it, it throws us into a, an anxious, like tense state because we start thinking, I'm never going to have it. And now we start freaking out. There's a huge difference between saying, I'm never going to have it and saying, I'll just have it later because now you can still imagine it. This is why I'm, I'm already thinking about what I'm going to eat Friday and Saturday and it's Monday. But by thinking about that, I don't feel any deprivation. I just feel like, oh, when I eat it, I'm really going to enjoy the hell out of it. But right now, let's just eat clean so I can really enjoy that food. So that's a big part of that. That's why I'm glad you said that. Eventually, you don't even think of what you eat as a diet. It's a lifestyle. It's the best. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, Lady and Legs. Okay, now you're coming back on a different... Now you're just talking... You're interesting. Yeah, yeah. I like what you're saying now more than... The way you're thinking now, I think, is way more um, likely to get you the results you're looking for. <clears throat> the things you were saying in the beginning, I think, were very diet-oriented. You, you know what I mean? And, and so, I don't know if you realize that there's a shift in your what you're saying here. And what you're saying now is very profound and, and I think right in track with what I usually teach people. I gained a lot of resentment towards my parents not teaching better eating habits when I grew up. Thoughts? Oh yeah, Kimberly. So that's a big part of this whole thing is really, again, what's dictating your weight more than anything is subtle little things, you know? Because you know what you should do to lose weight. You know, I always, if you were a comp- robot, you could type in what you're going to eat and you just ate it, you'd be at your weight. The problem is you know what you want to eat and then you don't do it, you know? And part of it is these little things going on in the background resentments about parents and stuff. Um, so yeah, you got to work through that. How do you work through it? It's easy. Um, you, you acknowledge it, you sit with it and you say, okay, that was that, but I'm an adult now. And now I'm going to start making decisions for myself. But what you're saying gets to a deeper point that I, that I work on and program yourself then with clients is that what's driving your behavior more than anything is your internal dialogue, right? You know, how you talk to yourself, Okay. And so we all have this internal dialogue and usually it's the main voice in our head, especially with weight loss and stuff. It's usually a parent voice and it's usually a parent when they were disciplining us. And so we have this child voice in us that wants to lose weight. Then we have this parent voice that's constantly criticizing and critiquing us. And so a big part of what I teach people is to create an adult voice that is warm, encouraging and supportive, that has good strategies about what to eat and how to live so that we can get the results we want. And so part of it is, that's why it feels good though. Again, it's not about blaming our parents. We, we can recognize that. I was in a similar situation. Um, and so we, we acknowledge that, but then we get on the path of mastery of really developing this other voice in our head, this other system and strategy to live exactly the way that we want to. And it feels good because we're moving towards a solution and we no longer have to rely on how our parents taught us or what we did growing up. We're creating the reality that we want to live in. So again, it goes from what, recognizing the problem, what's the solution? The solution is having a new strategy, um, new habits, new eating habits, new ways of thinking, new ways of be acting so that I can be at the weight and the health that I want to live at. So I, I hope that helps. Um, getting to your goal weight and then maintaining is the best. You get to eat a good amount that makes you feel so good and satisfied. Yeah, exactly. That, that's brilliant. Yeah, that's exactly right. From all or nothing, all or something was a massive mindset shift. Yeah, for real, right? I think that's one of the biggest ones for sure. Yeah. From, yeah, from a reform perfectionist. That's true, Vicky, right? You are now. Now I would say you truly are, by the way, when we first started working together, I think not so, not so much, right? But yeah, definitely now. Uh, what's up, Astrid? How's it going? 
How's it going? Uh, delay, delay, delay. Yep, for sure. It's a marathon, not a sprint. Yeah, exactly, Melanie. And once you make that, once you internalize that, ironically, the process becomes a lot easier. It's not hard to lose weight, folks. It's hard to lose weight really fast. You know, it's not that hard to lose weight for good. Like it really is. And I know you think it is because think about it. Every time you try to lose weight, you're like, you're taking on this massive thing. And let's go back to the sprint metaphor for a second because you're right on the money. Um, and if you think about a sprint, if you trip a little bit, you've lost, right? Any mistake is catastrophic. And that's how it feels when you're trying to lose weight, doesn't it? Because you're all in. And then the second you make the littlest mistake, I've had people are like, four days I kept my calories at 1,200. And then the, the fourth day I added some cookies. And now I'm up at 1,500 and I blew it, right? <laughs> like our, our mindset frames everything. And so the way you're approaching weight loss, like any little mistake feels catastrophic and blows us off the path. I always say that the most important skill of weight mastery is the ability to get back on track fast. And you're not good at that because you're just usually dieting. And so program yourself is really built around that concept. Um, there's a sense of calmness and relief your program has given me. I will get to my best self. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's what program yourself is all about is being relaxed and calm during the process. You, you start being relaxed and calm because that's a leveraged uh, activity. The more calm and relaxed you feel, typically the better the food decisions you make are anyways without even any other stuff. That just sets you up. Um, yeah, it's great. Yep, the program's life-changing. Yeah, Bailey, you're killing it too, and it's great. Uh, I, I love getting to talk to you the other day, so it's nice getting to know you, put a, a face to the name. All right, I want to get out of here. I got my own path. Uh, college is my daughter. So, uh, yeah, I got to get out of here. Looking forward to that. But, uh, yeah, thanks so much, everyone. Again, if you're not in my world, go to my bio, click the link, uh, get that hypnosis session. But more importantly, watch that training. Watch the training. You can watch my podcast as Program Yourself. Then it's on all the uh, podcast platforms. Uh, thanks for listening. Have a great day. Bye.